Thanks to the wonderful folks at Anchor.fm. Welcome, listeners, to Tom Reads Your Story. Join voice actor Tom Zania as he reads from past audiobooks and other spoken word projects. You writers may also be given the chance to have your newly written material, fiction or nonfiction, read to an audience. This show will get the words out. And now, here's the host of Tom Reads Your Story, voice actor and podcaster, Tom Zania. And as always, thank you, Mr. Announcer, for that lovely introduction. Welcome to you, voice actors, writers of all kinds, and audiobook listeners. We are celebrating the spoken word, and this is Tom Read Your Story. Thanks for stopping by. I'm glad you're here. So, today, we have two very good writers I'll be reading from that you will hear recordings from. Uh, oh, and before I begin, last week, we did our very first clip show. Now, it's I know that's no big deal, but... I just wanted to mention that, you know, when I do have times with nothing to give you, I'll do a clip show. That's, that's going to be the format and hopefully it won't be all the time, but, uh, it was a clip show and it, I thought it went really, really well. Okay. Now getting back. So today I could kind of say it's it's Italian day here, here at uh, at uh, at Tom reads your story. We have two wonderful writers, one of whom I have played something before, Rodney Vaccaro, and uh, he wrote something from in Facebook uh, the first time about the anniversary of his mother's death, and uh, this time. He has some a wonderful story about a certain cookie that's Italian called Masticcioli. And I'm going to read something uh, about that. Okay. He had a wonderful posting in Facebook about uh, that cookie and how it's made and about cooking in general, Italian cooking anyway. So... The other writer I'm going to talk about uh, and read something from is a gentleman by the name of Antonio Camiso. Now, I want to I want to preface this by saying there is a famous Italian gangster. I don't know about famous, but he was somewhat well known, uh, named Ant- Antonio Camiso, Calabria from Calabria. And uh, the gentleman that I'm going to be reading from is also named Antonio Comiso, but it's not the same guy. And uh, this Antonio Comiso, who uh, I narrated a book called Paper Boys, because he was a paper boy. This is his personal memoir. And uh, Antonio is... Uh, I guess a restaurateur here in America, I think in Florida. But uh, he has a wonderful book out now called Silent Partner, which I was asked to do, but at the time I had something else going and I couldn't do it. Uh, 
But this book that I narrated that I'll be playing from is called Paper Boys because when he was younger, he was a paper boy. And this is mostly about the relationships uh, with his friends that were also uh, paper boys. It's a very, it's a good book. And I'll be playing uh, something from that later on. And, oh, I'll be right back. The 2014 E-Class, a car that can actually see like a human, using stereoscopic cameras and even stop itself if it has to. The technology may be hard to imagine, but why you would want it is not. The 2014 E-Class, it doesn't just see the future, it is the future. Okay, we are back. And uh, the first thing we're going to play is uh, something from my friend Rodney Vaccaro, who I have read from before. Uh, The last time uh, I played something, it was about the the anniversary of his mother's passing. And this time I noticed something uh, he had written about cooking. And I don't know why it is, but there's something about describing cooking that makes it more interesting than watching a cooking show. Does that make sense? I hope it does. Uh, But he beautifully describes uh, the making of these cookies uh, called mastaccioli uh, that he loves. I don't think I've ever personally had it, but I probably would love it anyway because I always have thought that I should have been born Italian. Anyway, getting back to what this is, uh, this is a wonderful posting in Facebook that I noticed um, about making masticcioli. I never used to bake. I loved cooking because cooking is like painting, writing, or directing. It's not exact. It's all about the moment. There are few rights and wrongs, and it's easy to correct your mistakes. There are about 12 skills you need, and you need to know how things taste, and after that, it's just tossing things in a pot. Baking is like chemistry. It's formulas and processes, and you have to work to get things right. I've talked about how magical bread is. Gosh, just flour water, and salt, basically. It's amazing. But since you have all joined me in isolation, I've been baking. I bake every Thursday. I make a loaf of bread for the week and cookies. I'm not hugely fond of sweets, but there are a few things I love. This is a cookie we call masticcioli. Like all foods, There are 10 million ways to do them. They are a southern Italian cookie, and so they are made with whatever is available regionally. See, here's the thing about Italian cooking. It isn't French. French cooking has a lot of rules. Italian cooking has one. One, if you like it, eat it. This is why I take a heretical stance on the whole pineapple on pizza thing. Look, 
My favorite pizza is just light cheese and sauce on fabulous crust. But if you love pineapple and it's fresh, go with God. I have had wonderful pineapple pizza. Italian cooking is all about loving to eat and being in the moment. Okay, I'm wandering. So, masticioli. These were always my cookies. When I would visit, my blessed grandmother Grace would always make them for me. And later, after Grace died, if I visited my mother, she always made a batch. She called them my vitamins. I loved both Mom's and Grace's gesture. But we all acknowledged the masticioli we missed were my grandmother's. My grandmother was not a great cook. Not like my mom or my siblings, all of whom are much better cooks than me. My grandmother was spoiled. She married my grandfather when she was 16, and he was 28, and he treated her like a queen. I don't think she ever cooked much while he was alive. He was a shady guy, a gambler and a bootlegger, but whatever he was doing, he came home every day to make lunch and dinner. He owned bars and pool halls, would sometimes have the barber shave his armpits, and loved to go to movies alone in the afternoon. My grandmother sat on the stoop with her sister Buddha, snapped green beans and made sexual jokes about the Omar bread man. There were a few things my grandmother did well. Her soup was wonderful. Made with beef shanks like a patafu and her mastaccioli were the best. As hard as they tried, neither Grace nor my mother could replicate them. Look, this is not a cookie for the meek. They are hard. You don't bite them as much as gnaw. They are great dunked in coffee. The flavor is fascinating. I have found all sorts of recipes for these, all too precious and filled with foo-foo ingredients like cinnamon and almonds and whatnot. I'm sure they're just fine, but not for me. After weeks and weeks and batches and batches, I have managed to recreate my grandmother's masticioli. So, this is how you do it. Take four cups of flour and put it in a bowl. To this, add the grated rinds and juice of two oranges. Mix that. Then, add a teaspoon of black pepper. Then add three tablespoons of olive oil and about one and one quarter cups of honey that you've put in the microwave for about a minute to thin. Mix that into a dough and let it rest about 15 minutes. Then, on a floured surface, roll the dough into ropes and flatten. Press the top with a fork and cut into diamonds. Then bake these for about 25 minutes at 350. That's it. Don't underbake them. They keep forever. Really. Easily a three-week voyage in steerage. Make sure your jaws and teeth are in fighting shape. The flavor is Sicily. Oranges, black pepper, and olive oil. My grandparents came from two villages. Three of them came from Carlentini, and 
My father's father came from a tiny place called Kalaskibetta, near Anna, where the people still live in spaces dug out of a mountain. Spaces that have heard voices, laughter, and tears that predate the Romans and Moors. I was the first to go back after we left. It was the late 70s, and the villages had not changed much. In the afternoons, the old men would sit in cafes and play cards and drink coffee. I was a young man then. I am old now. When I bite into one of my grandmother's mustachioli, I can imagine myself had we never left. The sun on my face. The taste of oranges and black pepper. A thousand years of history under my shoes. Ah, I love it. I love to hear that. Thank you, Rodney Vaccaro, for that wonderful piece. Now, the next item we have is, like I said, uh, a gentleman by the name of Antonio Camiso, who has the same name as a gangster named Antonio Camiso, who I read something about in in Wikipedia. He's from Calabria. And when I recorded the book, uh, I thought, God, am I recording a book for a gangster? Because, <laughs> I, you know, I, I immediately th- thought that, well, they both have the same name, therefore it must be that guy. And, of course, that's kind of a dumb thing to think because many people have common names, you know, John Smith and, you know, things like that. So, obviously, I, I felt a little dumb when I kind of, read more about both of them uh, on the internet. So the gentleman that I'm playing for you is Antonio Comiso. He happens to be a a restaurateur. Uh, His family came over here. I don't think they spoke English at all. Uh, He uh, later, I think is a little later in life now and decided to take up writing and wrote uh, Lately, I mean, the most recent thing he has out is a book called Silent Partner. Now, if you if you look around, you'll see many other books called Silent Partner. But this is, um, I think, partially based on his life. Um, or excuse me, the Paperboy's book is about his life as a paperboy. And he... Um, he has these friends, uh, and it's it's a memoir. It's a it's definitely a memoir uh, about uh, his childhood. So, I think you're gonna like this, Antonio Camiso's Paper Boys. Chapter One. It was Sunday, my day to sleep late, but the muffled humming of a motor and voices invaded my slumber. I raised my head enough to read the clock on the dresser. Nine o'clock. 
Slowly, I pushed myself up, then made my way out to start the day and the list of errands that Jesse had waiting for me. I made my way to the kitchen where I identified the noise that woke me. It was a combination of the spin cycle on the washer. The voices came from Forsenic Files, my wife's favorite show. She was nowhere to be found, so I poured myself a cup of coffee and slipped away to our outside patio. I sunk into one of our white plastic outdoor chairs, sipping coffee, as the warm morning sun wrapped itself around me. I was on my third sip when the front door opened. I glanced over my shoulder. It was Jessie, carrying what looked like yesterday's mail. A moment later she joined me, mug in one hand and the mail in the other. Oh, you're up, Sleeping Beauty, she said. I gave her a lazy morning eye look. She set her cup on the table, dropped into the chair, and began thumbing through the small pile of envelopes. Here's one from your sister, she said, handing me a small white envelope. I sat down my mug and casually ripped open the envelope. Inside was a short note and a newspaper clipping. The note read, Thought you would want to see this. So sad. I set the note down and focused on the clipping. It was an obituary. I looked at the photo and immediately my eyes froze on it. I felt my chest tighten. It was Jimmy Foley. What is it? Jesse asked. I couldn't reply. All I could do was stare at the photo. Finally, I glanced up and said, One of my old friends died. Oh, that's too bad, she said. How well did you know him? I gave her another look, then turned back to the picture. My mind drifted back. I was twelve years old when I went to my first wake. I guess you could say it was the first time I went to a friend's wake. But Johnny Harrington wasn't really a friend. He was just a kid I knew. Everyone called him Hammerhead, because shortly after he was born, he had to have a plate inserted into his head, making the back of it flat. I first met Jimmy during my last year in Little League. He introduced himself to me one day. Jimmy was the starting second baseman on the best team in our league. I played center field on the worst team. A lot of the best players had parents that practiced with them, and they were always in the stands cheering them on. I wasn't one of them. My parents came from Italy. My mother barely spoke any English, and my father was a blue-collar worker who didn't know a baseball from a snowball. He never went to any of my games. I didn't care. In fact, I was relieved. He spoke broken English, and he was a generation older than most of the parents. I was a below-average player, and by the summer of 62, I couldn't wait to put my baseball years behind me. I had found a new gang of friends. They weren't into sports. They hung out in the park all year round, mostly at night. As soon as my game was over, I'd join them. I'd use the game as an excuse to buy me an hour or so more time to hang out. One night, as I was on my way to meet my friends, Jimmy headed me off. Hey, Tony, he said. Where are you going? Just going to hang out with my friends. Okay if I come? He said with a tight smile. 
His question surprised me. I didn't think he'd fit in with our crowd. My friends weren't into sports. We smoked cigarettes, played cards, and were beginning to be interested in girls. I eyed him. He looked much thinner up close, almost anorexic. His face was long and sculpted with high cheekbones. I hesitated. If he told his parents what we did in the park, they'd raise holy hell and we'd be in trouble. I glanced over my shoulder toward the gang that had gathered under the bleachers at the far end of the park, then turned back to him. Jimmy, all we do is hang out, I said, shrugging my shoulders. I made a head gesture toward his teammates, who were still gathered near the dugouts. Don't you want to hang out with your teammates, I asked. Who, them? he said, twitching his head in their direction. All they want to do is talk sports. I hesitated a moment. Okay, I said, then added. Do you mind if I smoke? Only if you don't give me one. I pulled out a pack of Winston's, gave him one, then stuck one in my mouth, and we lit up. I watched him take a drag. I could tell it wasn't his first time. He didn't cough once. Let's go, I said, and we made our way toward the bleachers. Paul Russo was the first one of our gang to see us, and at the time, my closest friend. He and his family had just immigrated from Italy three years earlier. They lived around the corner from me in a two-family house owned by his cousin Linda's parents, who didn't speak a word of Italian. The first day they arrived, Linda called and asked if I would come over and interpret. I did, and we became friends from that very day. Hey, Tony, he called. How was your game? We lost. Paul, this is Jimmy Foley, I said. Jimmy, this is my friend Paul. They shook hands and we moved on. Paul and I took Jimmy around. Everyone seemed to take to him. By the time my extra hour was up, he was one of us. From that day on, Jimmy, Paul, and I were inseparable. The Little League season had ended, and we had a few free weeks before summer was over and it was back to school. I was going into eighth grade, so it would be my last year before making the leap to high school. With baseball season over, the park was deserted. It became our second home. We would meet there by late morning, hang out smoking, playing cards, and trying to be cool in front of the handful of girls who hung out with us. We dispersed at early afternoon, and by six o'clock at night, everyone was back. The leaders of our gang, Dave Hatcher, Steve Lauder, and Skippy Calruso, his real name was Henry, but no one dared call him that, were a couple years older. They were the toughest guys in our gang and watched over us like a flock of sheep. There were several other gangs in the neighborhood, and each one had their own turf. Ours was the park. It was a great time. Slick back hair, DAs, and bro cream were still in. It was before Kennedy got shot, before the Beatles started the British invasion. The Four Seasons were on the top of the charts with Sherry. It was the time of Sugar Shack by the Fireballs. Shelley Fabre was singing Johnny Angel, and little Ava introduced everyone to the locomotion. A couple weeks later, 
I was sitting on my front steps when Billy McCain, the paper boy, was making his rounds collecting from his customers for delivering the paper. Hey, Billy, I said. Hi, Tony. Collecting? Yeah, but not for much longer. What do you mean? I gotta give up the route. How come? My parents are on my back about my grades. I'm just gonna keep it until school starts. Who's taking it over? Nobody yet. You interested? My father believed in hard work. From the time he stepped foot in America, he always worked. He used to say that real men go to work every day. It would please him to see that I earn my own money. Yeah, I said. I'll talk to the branch manager in the morning and let him know you're interested. Great, I said. He pulled a pen from his pocket. What's your phone number? he asked. He wrote down my number and said he'd be in touch. The next day, he called and asked if I could come with him and meet the manager. Sure, I said. Be on your front porch at 5.30. In the morning? I asked. Yep, I'll come and get you. Oh, that is a very good book. Fond memories of recording that. I hope you look for it uh, at audible.com and uh, check it out. It's a good one. So that should do it for this episode. If you enjoyed today's show, please tell your friends and have them tell their friends. Be sure to email me at tomreadsyourstory at yahoo.com to send in your written material for me to perform, or if you have specific questions about getting into the voiceover biz or any other kinds of questions you may have. As always, thanks to Anchor.fm for this wonderful chance at having a continuing podcast. I very much appreciate it. Hope you decide to come back soon. Have a great rest of your day and take care. For more information on Tom's availability for your e-learning, commercial, audiobook, or video project, visit his website at www.tomzvoices.weebly.com. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Tom Reads Your Story.